Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is paid commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Intercom Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi, and every river, lake, and field in between, let's talk everything outdoors. Aboard! <laughs> You're on the crazy train! <laughs> Welcome to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors Show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on 1250 AM, The Fan. Everybody and a happy weekend to you all. Uh, my name is Tom Newbauer, and on the line with me this week, or I should say on the air, is Danny Bush back from his trip out west, and I'm sure we got a lot of exciting stories. Uh, we come to you every Saturday morning from 6 to 8 a.m. We are live, we are unrehearsed, so you never know what's going to happen. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can either call us at 414 799 1250. Or email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. Good morning, Danny. Good morning, uh, Sam. Morning. Morning, guys. So, so Danny, uh, everybody's excited to hear about your trip. Well, I don't know how excited they are, but uh, I'll tell you about the trip anyway. Uh, went out with uh, good friend Al Shook. Uh, went out to Montana. And, you know, it's been many years since I was out west. I went to... Uh, Oh, I guess the Black Hills, South Dakota, when I was 14 years old. But um, I don't believe we touched North Dakota at all. Certainly didn't go to Montana. So this was uh, pretty cool. A couple of things to note. You get into uh, North Dakota, and let me tell you, that oil, that uh, fracking thing is going big time. It was pretty cool. You could see all these uh, these, uh, pumps going. Uh, just like, uh, just, uh, I've never seen them in person, but just like, I guess I've seen pictures of and on TV. So yeah, you, they'd have these point, uh, you know, pumps going and they'd kind of dot the landscape. Uh, so I, I think, uh, I'm thinking to myself, thank you for making us oil independent there, uh, U.S. Exactly. Um, yeah. as, as far as, uh, Montana, Really cool country. I mean, you can just look sometimes and see for miles and uh, big ridges and coolies. Um, it, it, it looks like, it looks like uh, something you'd see in a Western. I guess that makes sense. You know, I expected to see uh, 
Clint Eastwood on a horse come riding over a ridge and down a draw. Uh, it's just just as remote. And you can, let me tell you, you can go on these roads and not see a single vehicle. I mean, it, you are out remote. Huge farms that are just unbelievably huge with fields of wheat that just stretch for miles and not a single farmhouse or farmer to be seen. You'll see 500, half a million dollars worth of equipment sitting, a big giant combine sitting in the middle of fields out there, nobody around. Uh, it's, it's really pretty amazing and pretty remote. Uh, as far as uh, some of the more notable wildlife that I saw, uh, saw, a, uh, saw, saw some mule deer, which uh, you'd see both. It's interesting. You'd see both white-tailed deer and mule deer. And it's weird because there's really no woods around. But they're living down in these coolies and there's vegetation and stuff where they can, uh, they can bed down and, uh, and have plenty of cover. They got plenty of food out there with the fields. Uh, saw probably more mule deer than I saw um, white-tailed. But finally, after seeing, I don't know, maybe 20 or 30 uh, mule deer that were all, you know, baldies, all does, Finally, we saw a herd of 14 one day, and they took off running, and then we see two big ones coming out and coming behind, and there were two nice bucks running behind them. So that was pretty cool. Also saw what I think was the world record coyote out there, Tom. Oh, no, really. Now, you and I, we've seen coyotes. uh, People call them coyotes. I call them coyotes. But you'll see them alongside, you know, the road when you're driving sometimes in Wisconsin. You'll see them out in the field. But... I, it, so I've seen plenty of them. We spotted something that was maybe four or five hundred yards away. And uh, we go, hey, there's a deer. So Al stops the truck and I grab his little pair of binoculars and I look through it and I said to him, Al, you're not going to believe this, but that's not a deer. That's a canine. So it was so big at first, I thought it's got to be a wolf. But uh, then he looked at it and he said, no, it's, I looked at the face. He said, that's not a wolf. But I'm telling you, the thing was enormous, and it was out there by itself. And it's funny, even though we were far away on the road, it it was it was eyeing us up. And then it went uh, went trotting off. Saw a couple big red fox out in the field too. One was on a kill. I don't know if it got a pheasant or something, um, but they were just beautiful animals. And then some pronghorn too. Uh, so it was pretty cool seeing those things. And let me tell you, those things can run when they take off. So. Saw an awful lot of wildlife out there, and uh, the bird hunting, we did get some. We had one rough day where it was so windy, there was like 40 mile an hour winds, and oh, we, couldn't, we couldn't get anything going. Um, it, it, it was crazy, though. The night before, we go to go scouting, and um, one kudos to Montana, because they've got what they call block management land, and basically, it's this. You have to have permission to hunt it, but that's real easy because they've got a box, they've got it labeled, they've got a big green sign, meaning anything after that green sign is is that uh, land that you can hunt, and all you got to do is fill out a slip, kind of like at a boat ramp um, where you launch your boat, except you don't pay anything. And then what you do is you you put it in there, register, you know, put your name, license plate number in there. And then at the end of the day, you put another stub in just basically, you know, describing whether you had a satisfactory or unsatisfactory experience. 
did you harvest the game that you were hunting for? What game were you hunting for? And it's really well labeled and marked. And then they have it marked with a red sign where the zones end. So Al actually took some pictures of it, and he was going to present that to uh, whoever here in Wisconsin because, you know, we got public lands available in Wisconsin, but, you know, they're, they're not labeled like that. I mean, this is, it's a really clear way of people being able to go out. They've got a book available that you can actually find the map to go find those areas. So in our first night of scouting, we go coming over the hill and to one of those areas, and there's a couple dozen pheasants. I couldn't believe it. There's five roosters sitting in a tree by the edge of the road, roosters running across the road, roosters ducking down in the wheat field. But would you believe the next morning when we went back where we figured we'd be done hunting in, you know, 30 minutes, not a rooster to be seen. Um, they just like disappeared. Now here's what's going on. They got these, it's big country and they got these immense, immense draws and, uh, which are, which go on forever, which have streams running through water, thick marsh grass, and they go for miles. And, uh, you, it would take an army to get those birds out of there. So we see them in the evening and in the morning when they come up to the edges near the near the you know dirt roads and so yeah. forth and out on the fields but then they go into that stuff and we tried walking one and birds were flying out a couple hundred yards ahead of us oh, and wow. with just with just two guys and two dogs i mean it would be easy for them to elude us um but we did manage to get some i shot my first sharp-tailed grouse which i've never gotten a sharp tail before and uh, so that was fun. We got some Huns as well. So it's, it, it really is a pretty, pretty cool area. If we went there again, um, we'd want to try and, you know, we found a couple good areas. But, you know, the guys who were staying at the motel that were cleaning up were guys who were hunting with locals there. And, of course, the locals, you know, they got all the prime private land spots and, you know, they live there. Oh, so yeah. those guys, those guys were really cleaning up. But it was a great trip, and I had a good time. It was fun just working with those dogs. Al's got some pretty nice dogs. So, um, yeah, so good time. Good time had by all. You know, when you mentioned coyotes, Dan, uh, a few weeks ago, I had, you know, it was a nice night to have your windows open for sleeping. And uh, it was about 3 in the morning. I woke up by this... Uh, it, have you ever heard a pack of coyotes all, all howling, going crazy? Yes. Pack of them? Okay. That's what woke me up in the morning. They were across the street from me. And uh, now, at first, I, you know, when you wake up out of a dead sleep, it's like, well, what the heck's going on? You know, what is that, you know? And then I realized what it was, and I realized what direction it was coming from. So I got up, and I went to the front door to look out the window, and I couldn't see, and but by then they stopped, okay? And I couldn't see them, but I know where they were, you know? Uh, and I'll tell you what, I, you know, somebody told me once that when you hear a pack of them howling like that, I'll kind of go yipping and howling and kind of going goofy. It's kind of like they do that after a kill. Right. Yeah, maybe you yeah, told I've, me that. I, uh, yeah, in fact, when I was uh, camping up there in Door County several times, all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, you'd hear this yipping and all this stuff, and we'd assume that maybe they got a baby fawn or something. Mm -hmm. And I've heard that from other sources, too, that when they're going crazy like that, that's when they're probably on a kill. Now, you live in the city, however, so yeah. 
So that's, I mean, that's kind of kind of yeah, eerie Wallet that Tosa, there's. And I'm thinking maybe they killed a rabbit or something. But would they go crazy just over a rabbit? Because there was a bunch of them. You could tell that there was a bunch. You know. I don't know. I hope they didn't so. get somebody's dog. But you know, that's amazing that they will venture that far into civilization they're getting bolder and bolder yeah i think um, i think these yeah. came from uh the menominee creek creek parkway okay by, by curry park uh i'm not too far from there so i'm thinking maybe they maybe got a little lost maybe being a little little adventurous you know and yeah uh, well i guess they got they got a good nose they're in the dog family so I'm guessing, Tom, if they got on the scent of something, that they yeah. could just, they, they wouldn't get off of it. They'll run it right into your backyard and pounce. Yeah, you know, it's funny. In years past, uh, I've seen a doe or two going through the neighborhood, and, you know, it's like, this isn't right, but you never know. And then one time, uh, now, in Wauwatosa, we don't have big backyards. They're smaller, okay? And uh, one time, I, I was, well, this is when I used to smoke. I don't anymore, of course. I was sitting on the side of the house having a coffee and a smoke, and I look in my neighbor's yard, and here comes walking a turkey. Now it's like, where does that thing come from? <laughs> you know. So yeah. you never know what's going to show up. You know, in you know, it could be you know Wauwatosa, Greenfield, uh, uh, Brookfield, wherever. You know. Well, you know, growing up, we had some animals that were, you know, come into the outskirts of Green Bay. Uh, pretty much, you know, you always, you always got your rabbits and back in the old days, most people will tell you, I'm sure you as well, that you had pheasants that lived right close to the edge of town. Oh yeah. We even had some, uh, we had a flock of Hungarian partridge. In fact, I, I remember as a kid, my dad had his suit and tie on. He looked one early fall day and saw some Hungarian partridge behind the house and he walks between our house and the neighbor's house with a 12-gauge shotgun and kablam, blasted a <laughs> blasted a, a, a partridge, I guess, Hungarian. And uh, but I think that was the last time he ever did that. I don't. I think he might have got a complaint from the neighbor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, might have. <laughs> I, I got, call it a hunch, but I think at six in the morning that didn't necessarily go over too good. But nowadays it seems like. More big game is getting close. Well, of course now we got deer running around. I mean, I, yeah. I mean they're running through yards and neighborhoods. I don't ever recall that. And they say that well, you know, we've kind of sprawled out. Urban sprawl is going into their habitat, but kind of seems like they're coming into ours too. Yeah. And um, and now coyotes. I mean, for gosh sake, the wily, wary coyote, which if you spot them in the wild, they'll take off. You know, flying. You know. And get the heck out of Dodge, and now they're in your backyard jumping on rabbits in Wabatosa. So it, it it's it's strange. It's kind of changed. I don't know. Maybe people aren't hunting coyotes as much, trapping them as I'm sure trapping is down. Nobody really does that anymore. But it just seems like there's more of them, and they're more emboldened. So you really have to watch your watch your pets. A neighbor right down the road here in Pewaukee told me one winter day she let her little dog out. And she looked through the window, and the dog didn't see it. The dog was doing its morning business, and uh, she saw a coyote about 25 yards away slinking and stalking up on her dog. And she went running out screaming, and the coyote took off, and the dog was none the wiser. But that coyote wanted to have a make a meal out of her little dog. So yeah. lock up your dogs, I'm telling you. Yeah. Well, listen, with that, we got to take our first break of the day. 
And uh, today is the 17th of October. It's this, what, what happened to the summer? I don't know. It went someplace. But uh, anyway, just want to remind everybody, though, that Carl's Country Market also does deer processing. So if you got a deer and you don't know what to do with it, you know, if you don't want to butcher it yourself in that, Carl's Country Market does it. We'll be right back with more on 1250 AM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Cutting Edge Outdoors. This is Dan Bush along with Tom Neubauer. Thanks for listening this morning. Hey, we always make it a point to thank law enforcement officers out there, first responders, health care providers, uh, military, all those people out keeping us uh, safe, keeping our country great. Also, I want to do a shout out before I get to the gang at the Pro Co-op in Scobie, Montana. Al Shook got a flat tire and we pulled up to a little restaurant. It's hissing and going down like in seconds. We asked someone, he goes, right around the corner there. So we go in, pull in, and, and Al's, you know, has, has, they say, sure, they pull her right in. So they start fixing the tire and, and uh, working on it. And I went to get a, get a sandwich next door and come back, and Al's in there talking to these guys. Everybody's laughing, having a good time. And when it was all done, they said, ah, no charge, you guys. Yeah, we had fun talking to you guys. So talk about nice salt-of-the-earth people. And, and then Al... Al uh, was so impressed that he thought, you know what, these tires are getting old. I'm going to go back and have them put four brand new tires on. So uh, he went back and they made special time to put it in there. So you got some real nice people up there in uh, in, in Montana, salt of the earth people. It's kind of funny, Tom. Uh, there's a gal at a gas station there. We start talking to her. And she starts talking about how for fun, you know, it, you know what she does. You know, what do, what do husbands and wives do for fun in Milwaukee? Well, I don't know, maybe go to a show. Uh, her, what, her idea of fun with her husband was she shoots gophers. She talks how she, they went through a thousand rounds of 22 shells shooting <laughs> gophers. And they took it upon themselves to clean out a cemetery of gophers because they said, well, they're going to be making holes underneath all the stuff there in the cemetery. We can't have that. So uh, she and her husband uh, went out and had a romantic time shooting, uh, sh- shooting hundreds of gophers. So only uh, in Montana, funny. I guess. That's funny. Hey, Danny, we got an email uh, from a guy named Todd. And I'll make it short uh, that uh, him and his wife and the family, you know, uh, grown kids and that, they want to spend some time up in the Hayward area on a lake, uh, you know, to you know rent some cottages and do whatever. Uh, they really enjoy fishing. They like our show. And uh, he was wondering if I, you know, could maybe put him in the, you know, point him in the right direction if you or I could. Point him in the right direction. He was thinking about Round Lake, Grindstone, Couteray, maybe Chippewa Flowage. Now, I don't know that area that good, and but but I know somebody who does, our good friend Ron Heidenreich. You know, he's got a place up there on the chip. Now, he knows that area. He fishes a lot of those lakes. So I forwarded the email to Ron. So I hope, Todd, and Todd says he listens to our show through the podcast every week. So, Todd, if you're listening, I hope uh, Ron got your uh, your email, and I hope he responded to you. But you got any ideas, Danny, if you were going to go on a vacation up in the Hayward area? Well, 
I guess it would kind of depend on now if he's doing a family vacation, that doesn't mean that he would necessarily be just doing hardcore musky fishing. Like no, no, maybe... they like fishing all kinds of fish, you know, all pike, kind... bass, oh. walleye, crappie. Yeah. You know, the Chippewa flowage, I stayed years ago at, uh, at uh, um, Indian Trails Resort, yeah. which was uh, John Detloff's place. Now, back then, he had a little bunkhouse on the water, which was basically one bathroom. And it's like you're a cowboy in the Old West, and you got a bunkhouse with bunks with 10 guys in there and one bathroom, and it was like five bucks a night or something. That's not necessarily what he's looking for. No. I'm sure there's plenty of nice places there. I used to know a guy who owned a place called Danbar's Resort, but I'm sure uh, I'm sure Ron would know some things. Now, the Chippewa Flowage is a beautiful body of water. Uh, there's islands and everything else, so I'm sure I'm sure the family would enjoy being on there, and they catch some crappies and so forth. But yeah, I would think there's got to be a, a small little lake which has maybe a little more accessible, uh, won't get as rough. I would think there's got to be some nice little lakes around there where they can catch panfish and whatever. So uh, I'm sure Ron would help. Also, uh, our, our friend Troy Woodrow, he's up around Star Lake area now. He's He could he could some uh, information too as far as some nice areas up there as well because he's been fishing a lot of little lakes. So hopefully, hopefully uh, Todd will get some info one way or another. Yeah, I'll tell you. Uh, when it comes to lakes in that area, I've, I've been on several of them, but I don't remember much about them. But I do remember that I was on the Chippewa Flowage a number of times. And, you know, it, it's it's almost like a, a bunch of little lakes all tied together, you know. And, and so, you know, you can find, you know, places to get out of the wind and whatever. But one nice thing about the chip is that there's all kinds of panfish. There's walleyes. There's muskie. There's northerns. There's bass. I mean, they've got all the different species up there, and and there are some nice places too, you know, for rent. I mean, I mean, but that's a such a big body of water. What is it like seventeen thousand acres? I mean, you can get lost up there. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, you kind of wanna. It, you kind of <laughs> you don't. You can jump in the boat with the fam, and if you don't have a map, I, I went oh, yeah. years ago pre GPS days. And let me tell you, I, I had that map in my hand, and I was, you know, going dot to dot. Oh, this island must be this what I see on the map. This must be this. And, you know, you had, you had to kind of really pay attention and get your bearings there because you're right. You didn't want to uh, didn't want to get lost up there. Yeah. Hey, uh, you, mentioned before, you mentioned before October 17th, uh, the, uh, the months flying by were almost to November. But uh, there's some openings now going on today. Uh, pheasant opens statewide. Uh, according to the regulations I'm looking at, you can uh, look up the regs yourself, but opens at 9 a.m. And uh, one thing, I, I did get an email, DNR email. It talks about some areas close early, uh, close at like 2 p.m. And, and even, I guess, some of those areas that used to close at 2 p.m. are closing at 12 p.m., this year, uh, and I'm not sure if that's just for this opening weekend or what the deal is. So make sure you check your regs before you get out there. But I was I was looking, you know, the DNR, we don't really have a self-sustaining or a good population of self-sustaining pheasants, but they do a good job. They plant a lot of birds in a number of areas, and you can find out some of those areas as well. The other one that's open is t- uh, Bob White Quail. And I got to ask you, Tom. Where in the world would you find a bobwhite quail? 
Well, believe it or not, at some of the uh, pheasant farms where, you know, you you pay to shoot the pheasants, you know, where they put them out in the fields, uh, they do put, there are bobwhite quail out there. Uh, Matter of fact, there was one place we went to. I was just looking at it the other day, the name, and I can't recall it right now. It was out by the East Troy area, and they had those bobwhite quail. And I'll tell you what. You got to be careful because they don't fly high; they stay lower to the ground, and the dogs are always trying to jump up. So you got to be careful when you're shooting at them to make sure there's not a dog in the area, you know. But yeah, and they're fast; they're small and they're fast. I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, actually go after them for uh, eating purposes, although they taste fine. But they're awful small, you know. Well. Uh, the reason I uh, so you're I know on game farms like you said, but yeah. obviously if they have a statewide hunt, I mean you can't just go out and hunt on a game farm. You you know you got to go out on public or private land. Game farm you got to pay to go there. So right. I'm guessing there has to be some public private land outside of game farms that that doesn't stock bobwhite quail that has bobwhite quail. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, sure, I'm, I'm sure guessing there is they got to be. I, I'm guessing, I would guess it has to be southern Wisconsin. I don't know. I'm not the bobwhite quail. Maybe one of our uh, listeners has hunted bobwhite quail somewhere in the state and knows something about them. Um, the other thing that's open, Hungarian partridge. And um, it was kind of nice seeing those again. You know, growing up in Brown County, I used to see them out in the fields all the time. And if you looked out and you saw what looked like a bunch of little rocks, well, those weren't round rocks in the <laughs> snow. Those were... Huns, and, and it was kind of funny. Al and I came around a dirt gravel road, and we both saw this round rock in the road. But it was a round rock. I mean, it wasn't anything. We both looked at it and thought, well, I don't remember seeing that again, until we got about 20 yards from it, and a round rock flew away, and about a dozen of his buddies on the edge of the road, round rocks, all of a sudden turned into birds and flew away. So they uh, they really are they really are something. In fact, we, we uh, did a push for pheasants, Come walking back to the truck. We're by the dogs. We're drinking water, giving the dogs water, and a big, a big uh, farm truck goes driving by the road, and in in 20 yards from us, a whole flock of huns flush. They'd been hunkered down there the whole time. We're standing by the truck and talking, and yeah. uh, Al did manage to walk over, and there was one left hanging there. But I remember he looked at me and goes. What are we doing standing here? <laughs> you know, there's huns, <laughs> whole flock of huns right there. Uh, sharp-tailed grouse, interesting. Um, they're bigger than a hun and not as big as a pheasant. The Hungarians, they, you talked about bobwhite being small. I'll tell you, um, you don't get a whole lot of meat from a Hungarian. Uh, the sharp-tailed grouse, though, I was asking Al. I said, are those in Wisconsin? He said, well, gee, I, I really don't know. Well, I was talking to my brother and uh, he goes, hey, he says, don't you remember? He said, years ago, we had a flock of sharp tails by our cabin up there in Douglas County. And I, I started thinking about it. And now I do remember. We'd drive through this little field to get to our cabin and we'd see a flock of birds fly. And I think it was my uncle who identified because they weren't grouse. They weren't huns. And we had determined that they were sharp tail which I guess makes sense because if you're seeing sharp tail in Montana, which is kind of a northern area, maybe they're more of a northern bird, and that's why some made their way to northern Wisconsin. Now, looking at the regulations, they've got sharp-tailed grouse listed, but it says season is under review 
visit dnr.wisconsin.gov for updates. So I don't know whether they have a season or not here, but I just thought that was kind of interesting. Well, we'll find that out more, hopefully, after this break. Coming up next, folks, is the gut report. So uh, I better do some quick work because uh, I didn't plan on one yet, but I got one in the back of my mind. So stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back with more of the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. Come here. I'm going to eat you. I'm bigger than you. I'm higher in the food chain. Get in my belly. The gut report is brought to you by Discount Liquor. Well, you know, folks, everybody likes, it seems to me at least, that everybody likes mac and cheese. Now, whether you make it from scratch or out of a box, there's one way to really liven it up. You can add bacon to it, you know, fry some bacon, crumble it up, put that in the mac and cheese. I've seen people put lobster in it, shrimp in it. You can put whatever else that you like into the mac and cheese to make it just a touch better. Who knows, you might stumble onto something that's really great. The Gut Report is brought to you by Discount Liquor, and they're in their 60th year in business. No other liquor store has been in local and originally family-owned for that many years. There's a reason why they've been in business that long, price, service, and selection. If you're looking for weekly specials, just go to DiscountLiquorInc.com. Welcome back to Skipper Bud's Cutting Edge Outdoors. Hey, thanks for getting on the crazy train with us uh, this morning. Uh, Tom, I got some good news here for you, buddy. All right. Uh, for fishermen anyway, a uh, little stocking information. The DNR is uh, set to uh, stock a lot of fish in Lake Michigan. I got the numbers here of uh, 50,000 brook trout, 450,000 brown trout. 1.2 million Chinook salmon, 500,000 coho salmon, 460,000 steelhead. But you know, it's interesting for Lake Superior, they're just planting brown trout, lake trout, and splake, but they're not uh, stocking any steelhead or salmon. So I kind of wondered what that's all about. But hmm. anyway, uh, it looks like we'll still have a good fishery here. Somebody asked me once, why don't they stock perch in Lake Michigan? And my response was, because they probably all get eaten by all the other bigger fish in the lake. <laughs> yeah, and I know we had some, some gentlemen along with Paul Smith on the show many years ago, and they were lamenting the fact that lack of perch down there by Kenosha and, uh, and hoping that they could do something. Um, but I, it's, just, uh, it's just a situation where I don't know if that's ever going to come back to what it was. But... I have heard over the years, Tom, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about Sturgeon Bay, that it does seem like the perch have quietly made a little bit of a comeback, and there are some people in the know catching some fish some places, but they're keeping their lips pretty tight. Yeah, and the, in the Bay of Green Bay, it's, 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 they're starting to come back. Yep, they, start, they starting are. So I'm looking forward to that. Oh, I, I do have to remind everybody, Danny, that uh, prize contests on the Cutting Edge Outdoors are the sole responsibility of the Cutting Edge Outdoors radio show and its sponsors. Any questions or comments should be directed to CEOguys at Yahoo.com. All right. Had to do that public service announcement. Okay. As <laughs> long as we're on the public service announcements, yeah. um, 
we've uh, we've got deer season, of course, coming up. Now, I did hear a report out of Buffalo County uh, that uh, the uh, a couple deer were found with what they call EHD, which uh, stands for something real long and fancy, which I'm not going to embarrass myself and try and pronounce. And it 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 is you know fatal for the deer, but it's not you know a threat to humans. And uh, in fact, I, I think it's carried by like some kind of fly or fleas. And, and we had it down here a couple of years ago. There were reports, as I recall. And I believe that's the one time where the deer are often found near water okay. uh, because I think they get kind of emaciated and thirsty and stuff. Um, so I suppose if you see any sick looking deer, you'd probably want to report that to the DNR. But uh, I just heard that up in Buffalo County. Now, as far as the chronic wasting disease, uh, the DNR over the years has really expanded their testing locations where, you know, I guess it kind, kind of sounds kind of ghoulish when you go and, you know, put a deer head in a bag and drop it off in, yeah, a, exactly. in, a, in kind of like a, a dumpster type thing and put your name and they'll get back to you after testing it. But they are really trying to uh, monitor it more. And as far as disposal of the carcass now, you and I remember years ago when they were coming up with that thing where you can't transport them out of the county. Well, then they kind of relented and changed it a little bit. And again, for our listeners, don't take my word for it. Go to the regs, go to the DNR site yourself or get a copy of paper regs. But uh, from what I understand, if you register it and take it directly within, I think, 72 hours to a taxidermist or a processor, you're okay. Uh, so like if I shoot one up in Douglas County and drive down within two days and drop it off at Carl's Country Meat, I'm all right. Uh, but you can, you know, also, you know, lop the head off and get that dropped off at, uh, uh, get that dropped off at a testing location and drop your headless, headless carcass off at the meat processor. Uh, but they also, for those that process their own deer, I believe the DNR is getting dumpsters around the state for you to uh, put those remains as well. So if you cut up the deer yourself, you know, they used to say put it in a dumpster. Well, I don't know if your local dumpster, you know, I, I don't know if they'd be too keen on you throwing a bunch of deer remains in your dumpster in your parking lot right in the city there. So uh, I guess the DNR's got some dumpsters they're going to make available for re remains as well. So again, you can go probably find this all online. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure they can. Um what was I gonna? Uh, there was something I was gonna bring up to you. Uh, oh, and uh, you know, out there in Montana, did you talk to anybody about fishing out there, or was it all just strictly hunting talk? Fishing, yeah, great. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, while I was out there, uh, I got a guide. Uh, you know, it's like this Montana kind of a tourism kind of promo type guide right at the motel where where we were staying, and. Um, it's really interesting uh, because there's a fantastic body of water. It's the, I believe it's the Peck Reservoir. And I believe, it. I believe it's an uh, impoundment, I'm guess I think that's an impoundment of the Missouri River. And they talk in there that that's one of the greatest fishing places, like it's world class. They, they, you got 12-pound uh, walleye potential. Uh, they've actually got lake trout. And uh, there was one guy that wrote in there. In fact, I'm trying to think. He's pretty, 
pretty well known. Maybe it was Jason Mitchell that was, you know, I think he's on Midwest Outdoors, talking about that it's probably one of, I mean, one of the greatest uh, fisheries for lake trout that you can find. And ice fishing, I believe, getting them where you can, you know, he talked, he talked in there that, you know, if you go most places, if you got five Lakers in a day, you'd have a great day. Well, that's commonplace there. Uh, In addition to that, they got giant pike too. You wouldn't think of giant pike in Montana, but they show pictures of like some 20 pounders. So yeah, it looks like it's and it looks like a huge body of water. So if you went out there, you could probably do a, a, a cast and blast if you timed it right. Uh, where yeah. you could do do both. From what I understand, too, they got a lot of trout streams, lots yeah. of those. Yeah. Yeah, and and the other thing too, we saw a lot of little pothole lakes with ducks on them, but some of them had boat access, and we saw some guys out in some little boats fishing them. Um, it, we didn't take the time to stop, but you know, Al and I were both commenting like we'd really like to know what the heck they're fishing for in those little lakes. I'm guessing yeah. panfish or maybe bass. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? I mean, I, 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 the mainly what I know about Montana is the trout streams. Then they're really and at uh, Lake, uh, for is it called Fort Peck or Lake Peck? Um, or the uh, just the it's Peck the Fort. Reservoir. There's the Fort. There's the Fort Peck Indian Reservation, I believe. There, uh, okay. I think it's just called. I don't know what if it if it's called Peck. Peck Lake or what? I can't remember off the top of my well, head. But. Anyway, but I mean, I know of that, and I know of because uh, I think at one time the the record brown trout came from there. But was it yeah. either a lake or, or brown or something like that? Uh, I think maybe you're thinking of Flaming Gorge. Oh yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Reservoir. Flaming Gorge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They had then. And yeah. is that in Montana as well, or is that Idaho? I don't know. <laughs> Here we are, a couple schmoes in Milwaukee, talking about stuff out west, talking out of our butt, stuff we don't even know what we're talking about here. Yeah, well, that's okay. Hey, hey, welcome to my world. That's half of the time of my life. I don't know what I'm talking about. Hey, you know, the people up there, let me tell you, it's a different world, though. Again, we stopped at another gas station, and uh, I was talking to the gal. No, it was the same gopher shooting gal. And I said, boy, it looks like winters get pretty rough here. And she said, yep, pretty desolate. She goes, but that's the way we like it. No riffraff. I said, no riff. well, I suppose you don't have a whole lot of rioting going on around here. And she goes, nope. And everybody, she says, everybody up here has guns. <laughs> she goes, we have zero problems with anything up here. So, I like that. What a great attitude. Yeah. Then we go to go to another little bar for lunch and instead of mass required it said nobody inside here is wearing mass if you want to wear it you can <laughs> that's oh, what geez. it says they're letting you know that the that the uh the people in there the wait staff and the owner they're not wearing masks but if you want to wear one go ahead go right so, ahead kind of well kinda different. when it comes to masks nobody's gonna put the horn schwaggle over on you uh, and that's what's coming up next is the Hornschwaggle, which is brought to you by uh, uh, Carl's Country Market out there in Menominee Falls on the corner of uh, Pilgrim Road and Silver Spring. They got everything from sausages and steaks and chops and you, you name it, all kinds of meat and everything else that you need for a great dinner, lunch, or breakfast, I guess, any way you look at it. But anyway, coming up next is the Hornschwaggle. 
and you can win a $10 gift certificate to Carl's Country Market. So stay tuned. Call right now at 799-1250. That's 799-1250, and be the next contestant. We'll be right back with more on 1250 AM, The Fan. Welcome back. Welcome back to Skibber Bud's Cutting Edge Outdoors. Welcome back to the Hornschwaggle segment of the Cutting Edge Outdoors. And uh, right now, uh, we have a lucky contestant on the line, I hope, I hope, and they can win a $10 gift certificate to Carl's Country Market. Who do we got, Sam? Today, we got Brian and Cudhay. Okay. Hey, Brian, how you doing? Yeah, good morning, Brian. Good morning, guys. Good morning. All right. So, you know how this works. If I'm pulling your leg, it's a hornswoggle. If I'm telling you the truth, it's no hornswoggle. So, here we go. Uh, we've been talking on our show a little bit about uh, elk and how they've reintroduced elk into Wisconsin. Uh, but the fact is that native elk actually were quite, uh, quite plentiful in Wisconsin right up until about 1985, and that's when they died out. 1985, that's when the native elk died out. Hornswoggle or no hornswoggle? That is a hornswoggle. Hornswoggle. Yeah, yeah, you were, uh, you were right. Uh, I figure about 100 years uh, off on that one. That was more about the uh, 1980s. Okay. Uh, when French explorers arrived in northern Wisconsin in the 1700s, they observed tribal members of the Chippewa Indians uh, in bar- birch bark canoes spearing fish by torchlight which is how the Flambeau River got its name, Flambeau meaning French for torch, hornswoggle or no hornswoggle? No hornswoggle. No hornswoggle. Okay. You're already a lucky winner, but let's see. You must one, know your one... French. Huh? Yeah, he had a French girlfriend one time. They're always hot. So here we go. Um, uh, let's see. Okay. Um, the... Uh, uh, back in the in 1785, the French explorer Pewaukee arrived in this area, and that's how Pewaukee got it. Lake got its name. Pewaukee being similar to Pewaukee. Hornswoggle or no hornswoggle? Hornswoggle. Hornswoggle. All right. Yeah, that was like that. Boy, you got to get up pretty early in the morning to fool Brian, I see. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Frank, the great French explorer, Pay Wake. Yeah. Sounds French. Okay, how do I come up with this stuff? I don't know. So, Brian, make sure you leave your uh, address, and uh, I'll get that, and we'll get that $10 certificate sent out to you today. Thank you, guys. Have a great weekend. Great show. Uh, you too. All right. Thank thanks, you. man. Thank you. So, God. yeah, how do you come up with some of those, Danny? God dang it. You know, I thought I'd get him on the pay Wake one. But, <laughs> you know, he was on kind of a roll there. And, uh, hey, uh, Do you Tom, know what uh, Pewaukee does stand for? Uh, Lake of the uh, Shells, Snails. Yeah, I mean. something like that, Snails or Shells, yeah. Yeah, I think that was native and uh, because I guess there were a lot of snails. And that's why if you're ever out there trolling in that western basin and you drag bottom, You'll oftentimes come up with li- with little shells on your yep. hooks, 
And that makes me think, wow, that's going back to the days, you know, probably from those snails that the Native Americans were naming this lake after. Yep, that's so, right. Um, so, yeah, yeah, pretty uh, pretty cool on the history. Hey, uh, one other announcement here, long as we're doing public service announcements. Uh, uh, as of October 15th until December 31st, uh, I guess students of all ages can take online hunter safety even those under 18. Uh, I think the COVID thing has kind of forced more and more of the in-person classes to uh, to maybe go online. So even, uh, it, it sounds like if you were under 18, they pushed doing a per- in-person class, uh, but now it looks like even if you're under, under 18, up until uh, December 31st, you can do an online class. Although Tom, you know, I really think the, for kids, I really think that in-person hunter safety is the most important um, because you're really getting that instruction. You get to actually they handle firearms at the end of the class. Typically, they have a shoot. So I'd still definitely encourage that. Yeah, I agree 100%. Yep. Did, you ta- did you take hunter safety as a kid? No, I didn't have to. You didn't have to? No. Oh, geez, how old are you, 80? Gee, I can't believe it. Wow. No, I you didn't, didn't have to. I think no. you had to take it after what 1973 was it? Um, I, think, I think that's I, about what it was. Okay, yeah, because I think I took it. It's amazing the DNR still has record because I had a paper. This was pre-computer days back then, and they gave you this little paper copy, the same as they used to give you a paper license. It was a blue license back then. The hunter safety was green, green print on white, you know, yeah. little paper, and it would get all, you know, it's not like it was, probably should have got them laminated back then. But when I went to check so I could get my concealed carry, by God, they had that listed, and I think it was 1970 that I had that. And uh, then they came up with snowmobile safety on there too. And uh, I'd totally forgotten I'd taken snowmobile safety. Huh. But they had they had record of it. But back when I took it, Back then, the way it worked is you could hunt alone when you were 16. Uh, but if you took hunter safety, you could hunt alone when you were 14. Okay. So when I was 14 years old, I was able to grab the shotgun and walk out to the tracks to try and shoot a pheasant or bun- bunny rabbit. Yeah, I know. Uh, actually, I did sit in for almost all of those classes because when I took my oldest son and well, I actually took all my boys to the classes. I I didn't just drop them off. I I sat in with them, you know. And there were you know a lot of parents that did that, you know, yeah, sat that, in with them. It was really enjoyable. Um, you know, I, when I took it, I took it at uh, uh, the De Pere Sportsman's Club, uh, right out there by uh, by Green Bay. And then we shot uh, twenty two rifles, I think, at the end of it. When my brother's daughter took it my niece they shot some sporting clays so um so yeah uh, it, i think it's good and uh, i think everybody if you got kids who want to get into hunting now of course you can do the mentored hunting where if you're sitting right next to an adult you know like in arm's reach mm-hmm. they they can hunt without having taken the hunter safety now again don't take my word for it check the dnr regs but i believe uh, that they, you know, that they can do it if they're sitting right next to you. Right. And, um, you know, but I would still encourage, have the kids take it anyway. All right. Well, listen, folks, we got uh, just a couple of minutes of commercials. We're hitting the top of the hour. 
One hour down, one hour to go with the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. He's Dan Bush. I'm Tom Neubauer, and you're listening to 1250 AM, The Fan. The following is paid commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Intercom Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi, and every river, lake, and field in between, let's talk everything outdoors. Ha, ha, ha. You're on the crazy train. Welcome to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors Show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on 1250 AM, The Fan. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the second hour of the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. As you know, we come to you every Saturday morning from 6 to 8 a.m., We are live, we are unrehearsed, so you never know exactly what's going to happen. But if you want to be part of the show, all you have to do is call us at 414-799-1250. Or you can always email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. He's Dan Bush, I'm Tom Neubauer, Sam Schmitz is on the boards, and we have a special guest this morning. we got Dan Durbin on the line. Are you there, Dan? I sure am. Good morning. How there you doing? he is. Hey, good morning, Dan. You know, Dan, I I gotta tell you, I um, I use a lot of stuff out of the Wisconsin Outdoor News for the show, and uh, I always give you guys credit. Always got to give the credit where it's due because you guys do a lot of good work there. I appreciate that. I know you do, you do reference us quite a bit, so uh, I thank you for that love. That's cool. Well, yeah. you know, you got good stuff going. Go ahead, Danny. Yeah, so I got a quick quick question for you, Dan. Um, maybe you know, maybe you don't know. Um, but when I was uh, up pheasant hunting with Al Shook, he was on his on his phone, online on Facebook somewhere. He thought it was Facebook when you know later when he thought back, because he uh, he was reading some report and he thought it was uh, from the uh, Wisconsin Outdoor News Facebook page that that he saw it, but he couldn't remember for sure. Something about that big black bear that the girl shot, the 11-year-old shot up in northern Wisconsin, that uh, that uh, there was some citation sent out uh, or given out over uh, baiting or, or something. Did you hear anything about that? Oh, boy, I apologize. I, I don't know about that one. We did just that uh, Outdoor News, uh, the Wisconsin Facebook group, um, that just started like two weeks ago. We just We just opened up that page. And uh, the whole deal with it is we want it to be content that is from the people, not necessarily us. I mean, we have writers and boards, so we'll do a bunch of stuff. But um, we get a ton, man, in only two weeks, I think we're up to almost 1,800 followers on that thing. So stuff is flowing in so fast on that thing. It's amazing. And I, I apologize. I don't have an update for you on that. Okay. Well, that's a good plug. So Wisconsin Outdoor News has a Facebook page. So now any of our listeners out there, we can encourage them to go on to Facebook and, and what, sign up for it uh, or become a follower, however that works on Facebook. Yeah, it's just supposed to be fun. It, you know, outdoor news is really about hardcore news and stuff like that, and this one is more like, you know, fun. If you get a good chili recipe, post it and, uh, you know, stuff like that. You know, just more about having fun in the outdoors and no goofy headlines about COVID and you know, just you know, a place to relax, I guess. 
Yeah, I guess we all want to get our minds off the COVID. And Tom, I was talking with Dan. Uh, we're planning on going out uh, musky fishing on uh, Wednesday this week. I put my boat away, but Dan's got his boat. So we're going to head out there. And that's why I thought, you know, we haven't talked to Dan for a long time on the show. So I thought it'd be kind of nice to uh, visit with him for a little bit. And Dan, uh, you were talking a little bit, touched on with me a little bit about with the COVID thing and fishing shows and some have been canceled, but some might not. Can you kind of tell us what, what you've heard? Uh, what's the word on the ground about that? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I guess first off, I can't wait to see the cutting edge one helicopter land on my boat deck when you with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a crazy deal. I mean, we were really blessed last year. Um, our show used to be the Madison Fishing Expo. We took it over about five years ago. Now the Wisconsin Fishing Expo. We were like the the last show that took place before they shut the the whole venue down. And uh, now this year, you know, we, we we are planning on having it. Everything is a go. We have a you know some new steps and stuff that's going on that's going to happen because of COVID and. Uh, it, it just rocked the whole industry. I mean, the, the strange thing about it, whether, you know, if you're a show owner, you're, you're walking on thin ice and, and hoping everything happens. But, uh, you know, the fishing industry itself is, uh, it's blown up. I mean, you're looking at uh, ASA put out numbers that there's like 11% increase in fishing license sales across the board. Um, the, these, uh, the industry is, is thriving right now especially if you're domestic if you've had if you got if you got your stuff built here you're rocking the world right now um overseas it's it's a little tricky situation so as far as any of the stuff made in china and so forth which a lot of rods a lot of equipment is uh kind of a slowdown on 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 getting that i'm guessing to the distributors yeah, it it has been a lot of thing. Thing was like uh, if you got your orders in before the Chinese New Year, um, you got your stuff. If you didn't, well, you're you got empty pegs. So um, the tricky part is that a lot of manufacturers are are uh, you know hoping for ice to be a big deal, but um, it, it's like they don't want to overextend themselves, you know, and 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 get even though the pegs are empty in some stores. Um, the, the the trick is like how how many how much should you get you know and how long is this thing going to last and well, the good news is that people are fishing like crazy and and mom and pop bait shops are are going crazy they're doing good and and that's we need to support those local brick and mortars big time yeah when you know you s- I'll tell you uh, Dan um, somebody just asked me the other day what uh, the ice ice fishing outlook will be as far as sales. And I said, I expect it to be better than last year. And uh, I expect it to be really big because, you know, like everybody's been talking, people have been going outdoors more this year because of the COVID. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking for a big out uh, ice, a big out ice fishing, excuse me, big ice fishing sales this year. How do you see it? I, I would totally agree. I mean, I think if anything, it's going to sell out quicker. I would encourage people to get in, and when, once those pegs are, 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 are filled with ice stuff, to get them. Because, um, it, like anything else, you know, ice fishing, you don't need a boat. Um, you can just go out there and have fun, you know, play tackle tip-up, throw a football around. 
um, be outside. I, I, I hate the word social distance. It just really ticks me off. But you get social <laughs> yeah. distance, you know, and, and, and enjoy and fish and, and not have to have a, a $40,000 boat and, you know, everything. It's, it can be simple and fun. And I think that's where this is heading. You know, there's uh, this 11% increase in license sales. Uh, hopefully it will extend itself onto the hard water itself. And people get out there with their families and their friends. And, you know, who knows if they're going to have Thanksgiving, you know, with family. But you can go out on the ice and uh, be with your friends and family and uh, fellowship and, and enjoy a time out there. So, hey, yeah, I'm, thinking, I'm 100%. I'm thinking with that Thanksgiving thing, this is perfect for some some guys who don't want to spend any time with their family. Eh, you know, the old COVID thing. Sorry, can't see you guys this year. They're probably... Yeah, they're probably happy about that. Hey, when you say that 11% uh, increase, is that nationwide or the state of Wisconsin, or, or what's that referred to? Uh, that came from uh, a national um, deal. So, yeah, no, that's that's across the board nationwide. 11% is a fairly accurate number. I mean, you're going to – I don't know exactly for Wisconsin, but I, I bet you we're at least there. Um, you know, I – We've even seen spikes in, in our subscription rate for Wisconsin Outdoor News because more people are fishing and they're looking for local information. Um, nationwide, the glossy magazines are not doing so hot, but the local runs regional all across the country. I mean, there's the Wisconsin Outdoor News in, in various states that has local stuff, and, and they're seeing more subscribers hop on board, I think, because there's new readers out there. Well, that's, you know, Dan, that's you mentioned the about hard to get some products this, this summer you know i do the i buy all the uh, fishing stuff for sherpers and hales corners and uh oh. you know there's a lot of empty hooks on certain items okay and certain companies were not shipping out anything hardly so that's been tough now we just made a twenty thousand dollar order of ice fishing stuff and all we got in was about six thousand dollars worth so i'm just hoping we get some of that other stuff because we might not be getting it you that's know, a good point yeah those local like i said we got to support those the sherpers and the local guys out there um but i've also heard that too from various other brick and mortars that like yeah we don't know what's coming exactly we're, we're hoping we get 20 percent this week and another 20 yeah. percent next week that has got to be so frustrating for buyers and for it is um, even every, the, every yeah. week dan i uh, or every two weeks i'll order you know, like two pages worth of stuff, and I'm lucky if I get 20% of what I order, literally. Wow. Yeah, it, it, it is tough. And rod and reel combos, oh, man, that's that's one of the toughest. All, all, I got, all I got to say, guys, is based on my experience in the last couple of years, uh, make sure if you want to buy one of those laser hand augers, do it right away. Because when I went to try and get one a couple of years ago, they were sold out. They were gone, at least the size I wanted. So uh, I yeah, finally did get you, one. Yeah, the size you wanted was, uh, what size did you end up getting, an 8-inch? Yeah, I wanted 8-inch yeah. just in case I hooked into a big pike. Yeah, well, we got some of those in, 6- and 8-inchers right now. So, you know, I don't think they're going to last long, though, once the, once the, cold, uh, once the hard water comes. So. Any, any news, Dan, on... Fit on hunting licenses, any data on that? Because I'm thinking if people are getting outdoors to do fishing more, that maybe there will be a bump in hunting as well. Any idea on that? Uh, the data on that, I haven't heard a ton. I know uh, like spring turkey was up quite a bit. 
Uh, I've not heard accurate data yet on, um, you know, for for bow hunting and, and stuff like that. But I, I would fully expect it to be up. I wouldn't expect it to be up as much as fishing because it's a much easier transition into a new fisherman versus a new hunter. You know, you right. don't have to have land. You don't have to have quite the equipment. But I expect it to be up. And, um, yeah, I, I, I really do think it'll be up. How about how about yourself, Dan? I know you got uh, you got some kids. Yes, you said you're involved in some youth ac- sports activities. Uh, have you taken uh, any of your kids hunting and got them a deer yet? I you know I I do. I I, I myself have not shot a deer in four years, um, but that's okay because my son Hunter has shot four deer in the last four years, and and two of them were nice bucks. Um, but you know, what I am grateful for is that he didn't shoot like a giant the first year because I want that bar to be set too high. I'd rather him to be like me a little bit where, you know, you're, you're riding your bike out to the Vernon Marsh or Kettle Moraine and not seeing anything for three weeks. You know, I don't want, I don't want to spoil him, but, um, um, yeah, I, they've done, they've done well. My, my younger son, Blake, he's a, a, a junior right now at Slinger Go Owls, by the way. Um, he, he's more into sports and, and I, we, we do a little bit of fishing, but my whole goal through this transition of heavy sports activities with youth traveling sports and everything is just to keep the pilot light lit for hunting. I'm not going to shove it down their throats. I'm going to make sure that they, they get a taste of it and not force it. And so far it's worked out pretty well. So it's interesting, Dan, because like my brother, he had three kids, two boys and one daughter. He took them all out hunting. Uh, I think most of them shot a first deer, even if it was just a doe, uh, fishing. And you know what? It just didn't take with any of them. Um, and, and he tried to, uh, he didn't shove it down their throat, but he just kind of presented it to them. Whereas I and my brother, when my dad, I mean, we lived and breathed it, you know, with our dad, you know, I, we were mad if he didn't take us. So it, it's just kind of strange. You know, some people take to it. Others have other things. I think nowadays, I guess, kind of harder. The, I think kids have a lot more distractions than what we used to have. Let's face it, we, we only had three channels on a black and white TV back in my day. So you were looking oh, yeah. to get the heck out of the house. Yeah, like, like a Commodore 64 computer and maybe an Atari if you were lucky. But <laughs> I... uh <laughs> I, I, I've never had as much adrenaline rush, you know, uh, than when my son is, when, when that, when a deer's coming in and I know he's going to pull the trigger, I don't care. You know, I, I, I was fortunate last year to shoot my first bear and that's, I was shaking like a leaf after, um, <laughs> but same, same thing when, when the deer came in, you know, various times with my kid, it's, it's almost like you're a new hunter every time when you take your son out or daughter, um, so I'll take that. You know, I don't need. I've killed plenty of deer. You know, I'm 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 good with just being there. Uh, I, I, I like that attitude, Dan. Been there, done that. Now it's somebody else's turn. And you still yeah. and you That's and great. you still get the meat. So you're, yeah. you still get you still get to eat those medicine burgers yeah. at home. So hey, well, Dan, hey, no. hey, you know where I get my my deer done? Carl's Country Market. Can you imagine? There we that? go. Yeah. There there we go. In, in fact. Good plug. Uh, Dan, I'm going to have some Hungarian sausage sandwiches for you on uh, Wednesday when we come from Carl. All right. So get ready that for sounds that. good. Some, well, some listen, of Carl's Dan, finest. Thanks for uh, joining us for a few minutes here on the Cutting Edge Outdoors. We do appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, you're welcome good. anytime. Good, good talking to you, that Dan Durbin of uh, Wisconsin Outdoor News, and uh, you can pick it up on newsstands, or better yet, get a subscription. Uh, like I, like Dan was saying, great local news. And uh, so, yeah, so I'll see you on Wednesday there, Dan. And with that, we'll run to a break and hang tight. We've got more coming up on the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. Born to be Welcome back to Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. I'm Dan Bush, single, straight, white, wealthy, retired landowner from Douglas County, along with Tommy, the true Newbauer, bass fisherman extraordinaire, and uh, you know I got what time an email. It is, Dan? What time is it? It's time for the weekly football picking contest. Oh, okay. Yeah, and we need uh, we need Sam to get the point spread for this week's game. And the uh, NFL football picking contest is brought to you by Curly's Waterfront Pub on there on Pewaukee Lake. And you'll win a $10 gift certificate if you tie or beat any one of us three here on the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. So, Sam, you let us know when you got that point spread. And to be a contestant, you got to call us right now at 799-1250. That's 799-1250 to be a contestant. So, anyway, now we just got to wait for a contestant and for Sam to get that point spread. And uh, the Packers are playing the, what, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and guess who their quarterback is this year? Well, come on. Everybody knows that, Tom. <laughs> Jeez. You'd, yeah, have to have so. had, you'd have to have, you know, been living in a cave for the last, you know, couple months if you didn't know that, so... That's right. Yeah. And, uh, and he, you guys he's all ready? Too, he's not doing too bad either, but not as good as Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Yep, we're ready. All right. The line for tomorrow's afternoon's matchup is currently the Packers are favored at only favored by one point, actually. The over-under is 55. So it's basically a pick-em almost, yeah. Basically. Wow. And we have our contestants today. We got Kevin today. All right. Good morning, Kevin. Oh, there we go. Oh, good morning, Mor- Kevin. Morning. All right. So uh, Packers-Tampa, do you follow it? Oh, yeah. Okay, so Packers are favored by one. Who do you think is going to take this one? I'll go with the Packers. Of course you would. (laughs) Why wouldn't you, right? Right. Okay, and Sam, who do you got? Packers. Okay, and Danny, who do you got? Uh, I think we're going to, this will be the upset, first upset of the year, Tampa. (laughs) I knew you were going to do that. Well, then, since you're going for Tampa, I'm going to go with the Packers. I don't think there will be an upset. I think uh, I think they're going to sack Brady a few times and teach him what for for what coming back into. Uh... Remember uh, when Tampa Bay was in our division years ago? Yeah. That will teach him to stay out. Well, you know that Tom Brady, he's about as elusive as a telephone pole. So, yeah, you're <laughs> right. We'll, I mean. probably, yeah. we'll probably get a few sacks there. That's right. So anyway, uh, you, it's Brian, right? No, Kevin. Kevin, I'm sorry, Kevin, I'm sorry. Our last contestant was Brian. Uh, Kevin, so you know uh, you're going to get a $10 gift certificate to, car, uh, to uh, a Curly's Waterfront Pub out there in Pewaukee Lake. Have Thank you ever you. been there? Um, I go there once in a while during the fishing season. Good. Well, guess what? You're going to have an extra $10 to spend now. 
Excellent. Thank you. Love All the show. All right. Well, thanks for playing. We now stay on the line though, because you right. gotta uh, leave uh, Sam with your uh, name and phone number. Okay. I mean right. uh, address. Thank you. Oh. All right. Yep. Thank, Thank you. you. Hey, All I right. got an email. Got an email, Tom. Yeah. From our friend Randy Reading. Remember, we were talking about uh, that uh, Peck Reservoir out there and the pipe. Yeah. Oh, I didn't get that email. How come I didn't that, get that? that? Okay. Because he doesn't. Because he, he he doesn't care about you, Tom. He just he cares sent, about he me. He sent it to emails. me. I, I well, he... one I mean, one of us is good enough, right? He just sent it five minutes ago. Well, that's good. I'm glad he did. Okay. Are you even looking at your computer now? Yes, I am. I'm looking at you the are. CEO okay. website. Oh, yeah. Well, he don't want to say. He sent it to my private. Uh, evidently, uh, there is an actual pike tournament. Now, uh, there's a Montana Pike Masters group. It says Montana Pike Masters, Billings Chapter, Inc. Uh, they've got a public fish tournament the 19th. It's June 13th and 14th. From 7 to 3, they meet at the Rock Creek Marina in Fort Peck, Montana. And, you know, I used to belong to a Pike Masters group. We did a tournament in Sturgeon Bay I'd compete in. And then uh, I think Joe Bednar, a guy from Michigan, was the guy who was in charge of it. But then when he got hired by Esox Angler Magazine uh, to do a pike writing, he kind of stepped down and the whole thing went kaput. I didn't think a Pike Masters existed anywhere, but evidently... It does, and maybe sometime we can call. There's a name of a guy there. Maybe we can call and get info on that big pike fishery there sometime. So thanks, Randy. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Pike fishing. And, you know, they got uh, really good, believe it or not, good pike fishing in Arizona. Up in the the mountains. uh, I think they call them the White Mountains or something like Mm -hmm. that. That uh, when my son Nick was living down there, uh, there were a couple lakes in the mountains that had some real dandy pike in it. As a matter of fact, there was no limit on them because the pike were getting big and fat because they were eating all the trout. And, you know, those people, they like the trout better than the pike, which I can't understand why. So Yeah. Well, you know, pike, they've often said, northern pike are the Rodney Dangerfield of fish. They don't yep. really get the respect. They don't um, get but, it. Yeah. But I'll tell you what. Uh, at this point in life, I've caught enough muskies. I'd prefer getting a 40-inch pike as opposed to a 40-inch muskie, myself personally. Because to me, a 40-inch muskie is almost easier than a 40-inch pike. Those 40-inch pike, those, they, they, are, they, don't come, they don't grow on trees to come up with an old bad cliché. And, you know, the other thing, too, what's even more rare is a true 20-pound pike. Uh-huh. Now, it used to be people would think that a 40-inch pike would be 20 pounds, but that's not the case. No. You pretty much got to get around to that. In most cases, unless you got a really, you know, fat one full of spawn, but even even then, you're typically looking at about a, a, a maybe a 42-inch pike, 43, you know, that's, you know, going to more consistently get a weight around 20 pounds with those than just a 40-incher. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, we do have a lot of pike in this state. Problem is, most of them are smaller. But I'll tell you what, anything in this state that's around that, oh, I don't know, let's say 33 to 36 inches, those are darn nice pike. Oh, yeah. And, and they're good to eat, too. Oh, you they're know, excellent. Love them. Pike, pike are great. Well, you go out with your sons and get them. Have you ever tried pickling pike? 
Yeah, you know, years ago we used to, and I haven't done that in quite a while. And I, I really should start doing that again, because those are excellent. And, you know, you don't have to, you know, most, here, here's the thing. Pike were being pickled a lot because back a while back, you know, there was no, uh, excuse me, there was a five-fish bag limit and no size limit. So, you know, you'd bring home those 18, 19, 20-inchers, and you'd chop them up. You know, you'd clean them up for pickling and because it was just too hard to get the meat off the bones off of those smaller fish. But pickling, it did the job for you. Well, now that, you know, you got a two-fish limit and they got to be over 26 inches, well, those fish you can fillet and get the meat off of. And I guess that's why my, myself and my boys kind of stopped pickling them years ago because now we could fillet them and fry them. So I think, and, and I should, and you know, I've heard of a lot of guys who do the pickling of like bluegills and white bass and sheephead and a lot of other fish than just northern pike. And uh, so I'm going to have to get back into that. I think next year or even this year if we catch a few decent pike, I think I'm going to have to get back into that pickling. Yeah, they're darn. It's darn good, I'll tell yeah, you. Yeah, it is. It really is. That and some crackers, my friend. Yeah. So. Okay. Welcome back to the Skibber Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. And once again, thanks for listening and getting uh, getting on board for a ride on the crazy train. We got our final segment here. And on the line joining us, we've got a special guest. Uh, we've got a Mr. Alan Rice from Gun Owners of America. Good morning, Alan. Yeah, good morning, Alan. How are you, sir? Yeah, very good. I'm Dan, and along with Tom. And Alan, I'll kind of tell you. Uh, how we uh, kind of got in touch um, about a month ago or so we were talking about the NRA and they were having some bad press at the time going through some issues and I, I had said you know uh, I, I said there's got to be some other good organizations uh, uh, to help support our second Men- amendment rights out there that that I could consider joining uh, other than the NRA and uh, one of our listeners actually called in and mentioned GOA I went online, went to your website, and signed up. I was pretty impressed. So I, I, that's why I got in contact. I was hoping maybe you could tell us a, a little bit about uh, Gun Owners of America, what the mission statement is, why, and, and, and encourage, you know, why some of our listeners uh, should join. So with that, I'll let you, I'll shut up and let you, let you go ahead. Well, I, I appreciate that. First of all, thank you for joining, and, and thank you for inviting myself as a representative of GOA on, on your program. We, we appreciate that. So GOA has been around since the mid-1970s. The organization was formed um, by the late Senator H.L. Richardson of California as a no-compromise, true Second Amendment advocacy organization. And we've held the no-compromise line um, for 40-plus years. Uh, We don't believe in any restrictions on Second Amendment rights. We are active in several states as well as in Washington. Um, it's a couple of quotes that, that we're very proud of. Uh, former Senator Harry Reid said the NRA is bad, really bad, but GOA is worse than bad. <laughs> and the reason he said that is the, the way we operate. So a member of Congress 
is going to hear from a lot of lobbyists. And, and we certainly have a lobbyist who goes to Capitol Hill. But we like to empower the grassroots. Um, if you, you said you were on our website, you probably saw all of our state and local and federal alerts. And we like to provide information to the grassroots gun owner on what they can do to protect their rights, on what's happening in Washington and their state capital. And then we have tools on our website to make it really easy for the grassroots gun owner with you know, a few mouth clicks to contact their elected representatives and say, no, this is not acceptable. We need you to vote no on this gun control. Or yes, we want you to support constitutional carry in, in a particular state and things like that. And if you put your shoes, yourself in the shoes of an elected official, would you rather hear from a guy in, in a fancy suit walking the halls, or would you rather hear from a person who lives in your district? The person who lives in your district is a voter. Voters have friends and family members who are also voters. And we believe that message coming from a voter, a resident of a district, is far more powerful than coming from a guy in a in a suit walking the halls. Now, we do have a guy in a suit, and he does a really good job. Um, our director of federal affairs is awesome. But we give him a lot of backup when we send an alert, and we tell people, this is what the issue is, and this is what you need to get involved, and, and how you can help. And what's very important about GOA is that we don't, um, the sky isn't falling. We're not chicken little. Um, many interest groups in firearms, but, but also other issues, we see they'll send an alert about a bill that's never going to see the light of day. The rules of procedure in the U.S. Congress are such that a committee chairman can kill a bill without even having a public hearing. And when you do this for a few years, you get a sense of what bills are going to move and what bills aren't. And just because a member of Congress introduced this horrible bill that's going to ban and tax and regulate everybody's guns and ammunition doesn't mean it's going to have a public hearing and doesn't mean it's going to move. So we don't waste our time, our members' valuable time, with alerts on a bill that's not going to move. When we send an alert, it's because the threat is real. It's not hypothetical. It's not theoretical. It's not fear-mongering. It's a real threat. So when we ask members to take action, it's it's real, and, and we need that action, and we need it when we send it, not, you know, a month later when it's kind of died down and, you know, nothing happened. We, we need it to make, make sure that elected officials hear our collective uh, voices, and we have over 2 million members and supporters. Well, um, at, that's at, in a at, nutshell. At, well, that's, that's a great explanation, Alan, and I like the fact that you send those alerts, and I've gotten some now on my email as a new member. I'm, I'm uh, you know, you know, clicking on to check into these issues, but you make it easy to contact, the, you know, your elected representative, as opposed to if you just tell someone, uh, you know, contact your local representative. How many people are going to actually, you know, go online, try and get a phone number, a contact number, and actually follow through? So I can see how the way that you guys, you know, how, how GOA is doing it, it is a lot more effective where people are actually contacting and getting some action. Well, not only that, and I, I want everyone to, to hear this as well, um, we make it easy, but we don't lock the gun owner into a message. And what I mean by that is, is our alerts have a pre-written message. 
but the responding gun owner is given the opportunity to edit the message, completely erase what we wrote, put in their own message, and make it personalized. Uh, and the reason we do that is a lot of people have told us, hey, I, I like that it's automated. I like that I don't have to look up their contact information. But, you know, I met this member of Congress, you know, at a barbecue last summer, and I, I want to say that. So we, we make it easy. You can use our message, you can modify our message, or you can put your own message in. Uh, but the software is powerful enough that it still keeps the contact information. So the member, the grassroots gun owner, doesn't have to look up the email, the phone number, and, and the important information to deliver the message. So it, it works. Uh, we know it works um, because our software tells us you know, how many millions of messages are going out. Um, when our guys go to Capitol Hill, they, they hear loud and clear, yeah, we heard you, we heard you, the message is delivered. So well, I'm Alan, glad you've experienced it firsthand. I'm sorry. I was oh, going to no, say, ahead. Alan, this is Tom. Uh, we've been talking a lot about the GOA. What is the uh, website for the GOA for people to contact you? So really easy. It's gunowners.org, and you can get on the website. Uh, you can sign up for our legislative alerts. Uh, they're free. Um, you just need your name, your email, and your zip code. Um, the zip code is so when we send an alert to a specific state or local district, we send it to you, and it's relevant to, in your case, Milwaukee. We, we wouldn't want to waste your time with an alert for, you know, Houston, Texas. Um, right. That's why we ask for the zip code. Um, you don't have to be a member to get our alerts. A lot of people sign up and get the alerts, and they, they sample it for a while. And they say, okay, yeah, I agree with these guys. Let me, let me join. Um, our dues are reasonable. They're, they're $25 a year. A life membership is $1,000. But, again, we'd love to have you as a member and, and put your listeners on our membership rolls. But if they just want to see what we're all about and get some of the alerts, feel free to hit gunowners.org. Uh, put in your name, your email, and your zip code, and, and we'll get you on the list. Now, hey, you Alan. Said, you said gunowners.org? Yeah, gunowners.org. Oh, .org. I, I didn't even put, I didn't put that together. Okay, got That's it. That's all right. Gunowners.org. Tom, Tom, Tom just got a computer yesterday, Alan. He's still got a flip phone, so you got to kind of well, understand. I, well, I got to tell you, honest to God, nobody's ever said, like, that said, like, uh, you know, like .com said .com or, you know, .org. I, I, it just went right over my head, Alan. Thanks a lot. Yeah, no, I'm glad to clarify because hopefully your listeners got it as well. Yeah, oh, they um, got it now. They got it. it and let me, let me just kind of mention it. It really seems now, Alan, that now more than ever we need organizations like Gun Owners of America because with the political climate that's going on, social media climate. I was looking online, one of the posts that uh, somebody from uh, Gun Owners of America got kicked off Facebook because they had the audacity of uh, letting people know what uh, Kamala Harris record was on uh, gun rights. And all of a sudden, social media is, you know, kicking you out. And, and we all know what happened this week as far as some of the uh, Twitter and Facebook type uh, type uh, eliminating uh, First Amendment rights by suppressing information. Well, we, we actually filed a complaint with the Federal Election Commission on that. That was uh, John Crump. Uh, my colleague, uh, John, is our Virginia State Director. Um, John's a writer, a researcher, um, very well known um, in Second Amendment community. And 
Yeah, Facebook um, gave him a permanent ban because they disagreed with John's speech. Um, Unbelievable. He didn't use use profanity. He didn't post anything that was untrue. Um, I believe, I I may be mistaken on this, because I'm not on Facebook. I don't use social media. So I only see something if someone makes a screenshot and emails it to me. But I believe the offending post had to do with an article that our colleague Rachel Malone wrote down in Texas that John reposted. And I guess they did their own fact check and they thought it was false, but every other independent fact checker said Rachel was 100% truthful and the article was accurate. Yeah, uh, well, Facebook trail of, you know, Facebook hate. Right, right. Yeah, it's Facebook thinks it's false when it's something they don't agree with, it sounds like. So, uh, yeah. Well, I am well, with you, Alan, I, I agree. I am with you. I don't do the social media. I wouldn't know how to get on Facebook, so... I'm glad to hear there's somebody else in my corner when it comes to that. Yeah, but Alan, you don't have a flip phone yet, do you? No, I, I will admit I have an iPhone. Um, okay, good, and I good. Do, I respond to emails on the fly. I spend a lot of time at the range. I'm a firearms instructor. And if I waited till I got home at night, you know, I'd have, you know, 40 emails to answer. So I answer them at lunchtime and on the fly, you know, when I'm getting a coffee. So, no, I do use the iPhone, um, and I... Respond. People know I respond to emails within a couple hours, but I, I don't. I don't do social media. I don't do Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn or any of that stuff. Great. Gotcha. He's Alan well, Rice of the Gun Owners of America. Alan, I, we appreciate you spending some time with us, uh, talking about it. We we hope a lot of our audience uh, really considers your organization. Well, thank you. We appreciate the opportunity for the introduction to your audience. Okay. All right, you're well, welcome, Alan. Thanks, Alan. Hopefully we can talk again sometime. Anytime. Just uh, get a hold of us. We'll be happy to come on. All, All right. right. Thank, Thank you, you, sir. Okay, bye now. Well, All right. Danny, we got, uh, we got one, one more segment to go. Last commercial wow. break. Time flies when you're having fun. It sure does. That was, By the way, that was very informative, you know. It sounds like a great outfit, the Gun Owners of America. Yep. So for 25 bucks. I joined, and I'd encourage our, our, our listeners to join, even if you are a member of NRA. Heck, the more groups we get out there fighting for our rights, the, the easier it is for us to have those rights. Right. All right, folks, we'll be right back. Uh, you're listening to Tom and Dan on the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors on 1250 AM, The Fan. Oh. Back to the final segment of the Skibber Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. Hey, we want to thank our listeners for uh, being with us today. We also want to thank special guests. We've had Alan Rice, Dan Durbin on the line. And um, I wanted to mention one other thing here, Tom. We're talking about gun rights and so forth. I stumbled upon some information. There's a bar in Colorado. It's called the Shooter's Grill. And you want to know what all the waitresses and waitstaff carry there? A uh, sidearm. You got it. You got really? it. And it. Yeah, they do. And now here's the deal. You know, I kind of got a crush on this girl, but she's married, unfortunately. Uh, the name of the gal, and if you guys want to Google it, uh, she's really attractive. Uh, Lauren 
Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N, Boebert, B-O-E-B-E-R-T. She's running for Congress. Uh, and here's the story. Um, she's the owner of this grill, along with her husband. And when Beta O'Rourke was doing those Democratic primaries, some of you guys might remember when he said, hell yes, we're going to take your AK-47 or whatever words to that effect. She actually drove a couple hundred miles to attend one of his town meetings, and she actually told him, hell no, you're not going to take my my firearm. I'm a five foot, 95 pound woman. How am I going to defend myself? And so she had the uh, the guts, I should say, to uh, call him out on it. And she was actually on uh, national television. I believe she had an appearance in Fox News after that. Well, she's actually running for office. And I'll tell you what, if she were out here, I'd vote for her. So uh, check it out. Good for her. Good for her. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got to love it. Yeah. I got to bring up something real quick. Uh, I forgot to do it last week. A uh, quick ad for uh, Studio 360. Uh, that's uh, Dave Olson's uh, photography studio. He does professional photography for over almost 40 years, video production. Yeah, I mean, he can help you with whatever project you've got. Uh, he's located in Pewaukee, and right now he's doing 50% off of all photos. Now, this might be high school photos. This could be college photos. This could be uh, family photos, whatever. Just go to studio360photo.net. That's studio360photo.net. And also got to remind everybody that it was funny that when we were talking to Dan, because I had mentioned how Carl's is doing deer processing, and Dan Durbin said, yeah, well, that's where I took my deer. And I thought that was kind of interesting, you know, because I had just mentioned it. So Carl's uh, deer processing over there in Menominee Falls on the corner of Pilgrim and Lily. And uh, they, they they got like a, if I remember correctly, because I was there one time taking a deer in, and they had like a, uh, a refrigerated trailer, at least I think it was, and that's where they put your deer until they could get to it, you know, so. Yeah, they, they do a good job, Tom. In fact, yeah. um, you know, a lot of people like to get hot sticks made uh, out of their deer and so forth, summer sausage, but I had made, I guess it was last, no, two years ago, I guess it was, because I didn't shoot a deer last year. Um, I had to make some barbecue sticks. And let me tell you, oh my gosh, those were so good. I had actually froze, you know, they comes frozen. I had actually put a big package in the freezer, and I was going to use that for, for my trip with uh, Horton and Ron Johnson and my brother when we go up to Door County for our Smalley trip there right around Memorial Day. And... Those barbecue sticks did not make it a month in the freezer because I would wake up like a rummaging bear in the middle of the night hungry thinking I'd open an empty fridge and then the light would go on in my head and then I'd be I'd be I'm lucky I didn't cut my arm off. Uh, I'd be chiseling with a big butcher knife trying to chisel frozen chunks of that off once once I pulled it out of the freezer and putting it in the microwave. Uh, they were just that good. I mean, you just had to eat them. So, yeah, get the barbecues, all I got to say. Yeah, I remember uh, you brought some to the show. Those were delicious. They were excellent. Well, that's right. And, and you know, it's, it's, you know, now, you know, Carl, there's, there's a number of places besides Carl's, you know, who do a good job of that, you know, in different parts of the state. Uh, my son, Nick, though, you know, he, he does his own deer butchering. Uh, when after he shoots a deer, he, he skins it guts it, you know, does all that stuff to it and cuts off all the meat, leaves leaves the carcass, buries it. I don't know if they leave it or bury it or what they do with it. I don't know. I should ask them. 
You can't you can't bury it. That's illegal, Tom. Okay, well, like shows yeah, you what I know. Yeah, he puts it in an approved DNR waste receptacle. Oh, receptacle. okay. Maybe that's what he does. So yeah, anyway, that's what he then, does. Yeah, then he brings home the cuts of meat, and then that's when he, you know, does the careful dissecting. We're taking off the silver skin and all that stuff, you know, and cleans them up real good, and then packs them and freezes them and that. So, yeah, you know, I'm and and you know, I never asked him how he learned how to do that, but I would imagine it's from his father-in-law. His father-in-law uh, and in-laws are from a hunting family. Uh, all his brother-in-laws hunt, and his father-in-law has taught him a lot, you know, about deer hunting and bear hunting and that. So uh, i got to thank him for that because, uh, you know, I'm not that bright when it comes to deer hunting and bear hunting. Well, I guess we got 20 seconds left, Tom, so okay. that's all well, I that's got all today, I got buddy. Then, Danny. To all the listeners, thanks for listening, and God bless and stay free, everyone. You've been listening to Skipper Buds, cutting edge outdoors. Go catch a fish, shoot a deer or a pheasant, my friends. Talk to you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.